this is Thoughts Become Things. With each episode, we'll help you reach the highest creative potential that God has for you. With your host, a teacher, life coach, a dream coach, and motivational speaker, Jeremy Lopez. And welcome to another exciting podcast of Thoughts Become Things. I'm Jeremy Lopez and so honored and thrilled to be with you guys again today. I tell you, I don't know how you are, but where you are right now, but hey, here in Alabama, it is raining like crazy today. So if it's raining where you guys are, don't get wet. <laughs> I tell you, I'm excited today to bring some really good, exciting news for you guys because one of the things that really have been um, people have been questioning for so long is asking me exactly how many, how much power do we have? How much power does God have? How much power does you know Satan have? And I want to sort of clear the air because a lot of times people that write in for prophetic uh, words and you know listen to my podcast or I life coach, a lot of times they begin to come to me and they ask me certain questions that deal with, you know, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that. You know, and one of the things I would love to take away from from Christians is the devil. Because I hear so many people talk about the devil 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which is really no offense, but it's ridiculous because we focus so much on the things of the devil, and yet we don't really focus on the fact of living victorious. You know, I wanted to bring out a scripture today to help each and every one of you, because I believe this will clearly clear the air. Now, let me say this to my Law of Attraction audience, and that is that I am a firm believer in the Law of Attraction. I know it's biblical from Genesis to Revelation. It's something that many people really don't understand the fullness that we do attract what we think, and we do attract what we believe, and we do attract what we are. And I want to take those three things into a, um, account today, and that is we attract what we think, okay, and we attract what we are, we also attract what we believe. Our belief system is very strong in its its systematic way, which means if I believe in a in a system of warfare, let me give you guys a great example. I remember years ago in the early '90s, I was involved in what they called the warfare movement. People like C. Peter Wagner, you know, Cindy Jacobs. So many people had a lot of you know warfare mindedness back in the day, and it got so out of hand where it was almost as if you had to sort of name the principality. What is the territorial principality spirit? Over your city, which really is just so far fetched that it gets away from biblical principles, but also gives away from gets away from the scriptures and and the the balance and the authenticity of what the Bible is trying to say to us versus what the Bible is not trying to say to us. And so with that in mind, people begin to scout out. They begin to scout out, you know, what principality, you know, um, is over our city, what principality is over our state. And they begin to create this persona without realizing they're creating it. We can get so warfare-minded that we forget that the main thing that is biblical is, you know, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Let me guys, let me fill in some blanks for you guys on the screen. As a man believes in his heart, 
so it is. As a man's theology is, and so it is. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Because when we deal with the original language and when it talks about as a man thinketh in his heart. Now first of all, let's dissect that. Let's break it down to begin to understand that it's not the thinking of the mind, the brain. It's the thinking of the heart, which is the strongest belief system you can you can have. And what that means is not so much that we think with our natural heart, because we don't. Our natural heart is constantly is beating, right? And our natural heart is, is one of the strongest sort of, we'll say energy centers, one of the strongest. Don't get all new age on me, folks, because we're talking about science here, okay, and Bible. But it is one of the strongest, uh, you know, energy centers. It's, it's one of the strongest, you know, uh, organs we have. And so because of that, we have to begin to realize that what, what the Bible is saying in Proverbs is not the fact that my natural heart actually thinks. What it means is the core fiber of my foundation, the very beingness. You know, when God talks about the issues of the heart, he's not talking about the actual organ that actually beats in my, in my chest because it doesn't know what to do. It doesn't, it doesn't think on its own to that nature. And so what the Lord is talking about all through scriptures is what is the belief system that is buried, quote unquote, in your heart? In other words, what is the core foundation of your belief system? What is the core foundation of your theology? What is the core foundation of the things that you carry out from day to day? Because you will carry out your life day to day based on your thinking, based on your belief system, based, based on your theology. And so whether you're Catholic, whether you're Baptist, whether you're Presbyterian, whether you're Methodist, whether you're, you know, charismatic, spirit-filled, latter rain movement, whatever you want to call yourself, guess what? It rains upon the just and the unjust, which means it doesn't matter what you are, who you are, because it, you're still going to attract in your life what it is that you need to attract, right? Because of what you think. And so with that being said, when we say things such as, as a man thinketh in his heart, what that scripture means is as a man thinketh in the, in the fibers of his being, the core part of his foundation of what he lives from day to day by. So, uh, so the Bible says what? As a theology that is buried in your heart, so your world would carry out. When it says, and so is he, the little language actually means, and so it is, which means it's like the word amen. When you think of amen and so be it, or, or, you know, or, or so it is. And what that means is it's the settlement. It's the belief system. When you say amen, it means it's the, it's the, it's the finalizing of what you say within that prayer that, that goes before you as a decree, because the Bible says, if you decree a thing, it shall be established. So whatever it is when it says, amen, and so be it, or so it is, it means whatever is whatever you just said in that prayer is what you're decreeing of what you want established in your life or for that situation right then. And you're so you're, you're putting the gavel, you know, you're hitting the gavel, you know, as the judge does to say, this is how it's going to be. This is how you want it. So when you pray, you know, and begging and pleading, oh God, oh God, God, you're actually praying wrong because what you have to do is you don't beg God, you don't plead with God. It says, come before God and make your petition known. Your petition is what it is you fill out and you say, this is how, how I'd like it. This is what I'd like to be. This is the, the, the menu and here's what I want to order. You know, it's, it's the, it's the reasoning of God that you come before Him with to reason with Him to say, here's my petition. If I have a petition, let's, let's go there for a moment. If I have a petition, let's say, and I'm trying to do a petition for my neighborhood. You know, many of you are like me. You have, um, you know, HOA fees, which is the fees you pay for the neighborhood to make sure the neighborhood stays in alignment and, you know, no garbage cans out on the street and no tall grass and, you know, no, you know, freaky wild statues in your yard, you know, and so you pay AOH fees. But what's, let's say, for example, if I'm trying to, um, 
let's say put something into motion okay that's not in the HOE fees or not in the HOE sort of you know document so what would I do I would raise a petition what that means is I would go maybe from door to door and say hey here's what I'm trying to do you know do you want to sign this petition so we can go ahead and get it taken care of and so when you think about that you think of the idea of signing names on a petition which means you have all these names so what does that mean you have all these agreements that, you, that they agree with you that this is how they want to establish this is how they want they want the neighborhood to be sort of ran on this new statement now this new you know ideology and so that's a petition and what it means in the spirit realm is it means that I'm making a petition which means I have name after name or I have uh, settlement after settlement after settlement within myself this is what I want this is what I how I want you know this situation to turn out to be so petitions is a reinforcement of something you're trying to get done it's a reinforcement and and guess what when you reinforce within yourself like the woman with the issue of blood where the Bible says she said within herself if I could reach up and touch his garment, I will be healed, which means she made a petition in herself. She reinforced the statement in the corridors of the fibers of her being, the foundation of which, you know, that she of her belief system that she knows. She rewrote her story. She wrote, rewrote wrote her story to know that if I touch him, I'm going to be healed. And so with that said, that's a, like a petition that you're reinforcing what it is you want established of what you want to carry out, what you want done. And so when we think about as a man thinketh in the belief system, and so it is. Is, which means when you have a reinforcement in you that this is what you feel, this is what you believe, guess what? It's going to be established that way. So when I was in the warfare movement, I thought Satan was everywhere. I thought demons were all over the place. I found myself constantly warring and fighting. And then I began to come up with this really silly, silly, silly way of thinking that a lot of people think today. And that is, you know, I'm, I'm under so much attack. It must be because I'm loved so much. Or I must be doing so much for God. Or maybe, or how about this one? You know, um, God must love me so much that the enemy is trying to stop my plans, stop the plans of God in me because he knows I'll carry them out. You know, the truth truth is, folks, it's not really biblical. I mean, it sounds great. It sounds like a great martyr syndrome, you know, that I'm being attacked so much. I must be doing something right. That's that's mumbo-jumbo. It's not biblical. Nowhere you find that written in scriptures that any of the disciples, you know, Peter, Paul, James, any of them ever said, I'm doing a, I'm doing, I'm laboring for God really hard. I'm, I must be doing something really good because Satan's just really attacking me. Nowhere, nowhere you we find that in the scriptures. In fact, the devil's not really mentioned a whole lot by Paul. Paul or Peter or James and I want to bring this out because I want to reinforce what what is biblical even with attracting stuff because when you understand that the enemy is not what you think he is okay the Bible says the enemy goes about as a roaring lion now I want you to think about this scripture I'm gonna give you another scripture in a minute the enemy goes about as a roaring lion seeking who he, who he may devour which means seeking who has given him permission to begin to devour them so who is who's gonna give me permission that I can devour them now let me ask you a question if the Bible says that the that um, that Satan goes around as a roaring lying lion seeking whom he may devour well guess what does that say the, 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 the lion or the, the devil has power not one bit it says if it, 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 what it's saying is whoever wants to give me permission to devour them then I will devour them if they don't give me permission I can't devour them because no weapon formed against me can prosper now there's a lot of wrong bad 
uh, theology going around when it deals with this kind of thinking because one thing we have to remember is and I'm going to give you guys a scripture in a minute that's going to really blow your mind that you've probably heard so many times but you didn't think it through when you think of the understanding that he is saying whom he may devour it's literally saying when he says whom he may devour it's not like he's coming and knocking on doors saying hey can I come in hey can I come in but 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 technically what he's doing is he's knocking upon the door of your heart because because what the enemy does is he's, he he knows how to go about on and, and prey on people who have bad theology that actually opens a door for him and welcomes him into their life and their existence. Put another way, into their sphere of influence. And so, guess what? What happens? Those who have bad thinking, bad theology, he has the right to come in and devour you. Now, even when he devours you, it doesn't mean he has any power. And so, let's just put it this way: if I think for a moment. And let's say, for example, if I have a friend of mine, we'll just say, you know, Todd. And let's say, for example, and Todd doesn't really have any power, but maybe he looks ferocious as a lion, but he doesn't have any power at all. I'm, you know, what if my theology is backing, my reinforcement is saying, man, he's scary. Man, he's, he's big. I gotta fight him and fight him, fight. And I'm building up my momentum to fight, 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 fight. And the whole time, he's not even putting up his, his fist to fight me, right? But all of a sudden, he comes up to me looking all ferocious and then just pushing me over, I would probably, I'd probably fall over because I've built it so much in my mind of how ferocious and mean he looks, which, which, and here's the thing, because something is ferocious looking, we think that that equals, um, power. We think that equals, you know, scariness of authority or fear, but it doesn't. Just because something looks ugly or looks bad doesn't mean it's actually bad. I mean, you could take, you know, different animals on, you know, in the animal kingdom on this planet and say, man, they look mean, they look ferocious, or either, you know, they look ugly. But yet some animals that actually look really bad are some of the nicest animals around. You know, and so you have to begin to realize that that understanding that if I allow them on my sphere of influence to dominate me because I believe I've you know that they're strong, what I'm doing is I'm transforming my power to them. I'm transforming my 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 ignorance of power to them, and I'm allowing them to begin to be empowered. You know, allowing him to be empowered by my influence. You know, and by my power, my belief system, thinking that he is powerful. And so you have to remember, and, and you might say, well, wow, that sounds interesting, but what about this? What about that? Well, let me ask you a question. Isn't it true that when we lay hands on people, we are transferring? Hello, we are transferring anointing. We are transferring power. If not, why would the Bible say lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? Because we're transferring anointing. We're transferring our belief system and agreeing with them in agreement they're going to be healed. So what am I doing? I'm, transfer, I'm transferring power. Hello. So are you powerful? Yes. Can you transfer power? Yes. Is the power, is, is, is the devil has any one ounce of power whatsoever? No. Can you transfer power to him? Yes. According to your belief system and your theology. And now then, let's go and get to the highlight of this whole entire podcast, okay? So people attract, people attract the enemy and they protract the persona of the enemy all the time. Why? Because they believe in a dualism. They believe in a dualism mentality because they've been watching Star Trek and Star Wars so many times and they see God and Satan just duking it out, fighting tooth and nail all day long, fighting, fighting, fighting. That's not biblical. The, they don't fight. The Bible even the Bible never even says the devil is God's enemy. Did you know that? It says the devil, your adversary. 
And the Bible says the carnal mind of man is the enemy or the enemy of God. Nowhere do you see, do you read, not one scripture from Genesis to Revelation that the devil is God's enemy. Nowhere. It says he's your adversary. Why? Because you're in the, you're in the, the image and likeness of God. So there's tons of quote unquote small G's of gods on the earth because we're trying to mimic the likeness and the imagery of God on earth. And yet that's how we take dominion and authority. You don't take dominion and authority by binding Satan constantly day and night because the truth is what we do is the Bible even says this it says you know the, uh, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven can I be honest with you guys and you really want to get biblical with me nowhere does it say in the scripture that the enemy was bound ooh Many of you are like, oh my God, because that scripture does not talk about Satan. But because you're Satan-minded, you refer to it as Satan. The Bible says, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Why? Because we're understanding the, the kingdom here of your power, not his power. And so you see yourself fighting him on an equal, equality, on an equal ground, fighting him all day long when you don't have to. The Bible says you are raised up, seated in heavenly places. You're above and not beneath. So because of that, you've got to begin to change your thinking and theology. Now let's get to the main scripture, which is the, the icing on the cake of this podcast before I close. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. And it says in every single different version you read that Jesus disarmed the powers of the enemy. Jesus disarmed the powers of the enemy and made an open show of him publicly. One version says Jesus took away his power and made an open show of him publicly. So we have one version saying Jesus takes, took away his power. We have another ver version that says Jesus actually disarmed his powers. So here's the thing, folks. Jesus took away his power. There is no power there. So while you're trying to dive into territorial spirits by naming them because of law of attraction, you're going to constantly attract more bad and negative and evilness to yourself. And then you'll be able to understand the power of creativity as co-creators in God. And you begin to create, 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 create your own persona based on your own, you know, um, un belief system that is really warped. And then you begin to sit here and say, well, I'm, what's real for me? Exactly. There you go. It's real for you, but it's not real for the rest of us. It's real for those who decide to who decide to make it real for them. Yea, David says this: Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because the rod and the staff is with me to comfort me. Notice the rod and the staff. It never said a huge sword. It never said you know a big um, sphere, you know, or, 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 or sling blade or gun or whatever. It never says that, does it? Because he knew I don't need those things to fight. David was saying, I don't need those things to fight. What I need is the peace of God that surpasses my lack of understanding or the craziness of my understanding. And so what he's, so what's happening here is David said, yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death. Was it death? No. Was it a shadow, shadowing effect? Absolutely. A shadowing effect is something that is not real, but yet you can make it real if you so desire right? And so being the image and likeness of God, you have to begin to calm down your old theology, renew your mind to a new theology, renew your mind to a biblical theology, and get and get hooked into the power of realizing I didn't, I never was allowed to, or nor nowhere do I read that the devil I bind and loose. 
You know, that's not that part of it is separate from what the scripture means. I can I can write that off and not do that, but I can keep my binding loosing in areas that need to be bound and loose. And then I begin to understand the power of of what all this means when it deals with I'm in God's peace, I'm I'm a victor, I'm more than a conqueror, and because of all that, I don't have to do these things. Why? Because there, because He has no power. The only power He has is what I give Him out of wrong thinking and wrong theology and bad theology. And so, folks, to be able to contra to to be able to create a persona of evilness, you've got to be very very careful because it's a very dangerous slippy slippery slope for you. Because when you do that, you are creating your own world and you will and you will attract the world in which you're creating and that's why you have to take into consideration your sphere of influence your sphere of influence means it is what you are influencing the word we get in, in the original language of Greek is metron Paul spoke on metron which means a sphere of influence so therefore a you have to take accountability what are you influencing your sphere with Whatever you influence your sphere with, that is what it's going to be to you, according to your bad theology or wrong theology. And then understanding, I never have been called to bind the devil, because the Bible says whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven. Well, the devil is not in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth is loose in heaven. Well, there's not a loosing of Satan in heaven either, right? And if and, and if and if you can truly go that route to to bind on and loose in that in that route, then here's my question to you: Is why does he come back to you? How did he get unbound? Come on, how did he get unbound? The only way to find yourself in a powerful, authoritative position as a son of God, co-creating in, in Christ, is beginning to sit yourself in heavenly places, rise above all this stuff, know the carnal mind of who you, of what you used to be is, is what's the enemy of God, because he wants you to change your mind to be his mind. And then once you get into that thinking, guess what? The world will look a little better for you. And then you put Bible into proper perspective. And that is this that is in this life there are trials and tribulations but be of good cheer for I have overcome them all says the Lord and so what did God do he overcame your trials and tribulations how there's no Bible there's no Satan mentioned here what that means is that he overcame because you changed your mind you renewed your mind and you understood the trials and tribulations are in this world to help me to learn teach me maybe some things I need to teach or really learn to overcome them by by re-examining and using the mind of Christ that's creative to know how to be able to create through the situation. But in this life, you're going to get down at times. You're going to go through hard times. You're going to go through hell. And David even said, even though I make my bed in hell, you're there. So David himself never said, I come against this demonic spirit coming against me. David never found himself saying, reveal yourself, Satan. What, tell me what territorial spirit's over me that's got me in my hellish situation. Notice you never hear these things mentioned about one of the greatest psalmists that ever walked this planet. Can you hear what I'm saying, folks? He says, even though I make my bed in hell, in Sheo, which doesn't mean in, you know, a burning inferno, it means, it means the place of the dead. He says, because he was, he was at a place where he felt very dead. He felt very dry. He said, even though I make my bed in, in hell, in Sheo, you're there. So in other words, if I make my bed, and I love this because David is saying, if I make my bed in a bad time in my life because I made a bad decision, that's what it means. If I make my bed in hell, that means I really did something really bad and I should have thought it through and I didn't and I did some really rotten things. Why? Because David knew he committed adultery. He had her, her husband sent to war on the front lines, killed Bathsheba. 
And so guess what he's talking about? I made, I did some bad things. I made my bed. It's like the old saying, you know, you made your bed and I'll sleep in it, right? And so that's what David was saying. There's no Satan mentioned in this situation. What he was, what David was saying is, I got to tough it up. I got trials and tribulations. I, I created this thing. So even though I'm gonna, you know, even though I'm in my bed in hell, you know, you're there, God. You're still there in my bad situations and my oops moments and my making my my through my flaws. You're there through things that happened to me that I did to myself or things that people did to me. Either way, God, you're there. And I want you guys today in this podcast to rethink, rethink your and re-examine your theology, folks. Because if you're heavily under attack all the time, nine times out of ten, you might be having a wrong theology. Because guess what? Some of the rest of us go through trials and tribulations, and sometimes we do endure where it's like, man, you know, okay, I feel like I'm under a little attack here. But the Bible even says even about the attacks. I mean, I'm giving you guys so many scriptures today that even the Bible even says the battle is not yours. The battle is mine, says the Lord. So he's letting you know you don't have to battle. You don't have to fight. So there's no, you know, so because of that, I'm taking on your battle to fight, right? The greatest honor in the kingdom of God, folks, is not to be a warrior for God. That you're actually putting yourself down. The greatest honor is to, is to get into the New Testament and be what Christ called you. You are a son of the living God. You are a son of the living God. You're a king and a priest according to Revelation. That's who you are. That's your greatest, highest call. If you want to fight on the battlegrounds, you're, you're literally putting yourself on the lowest, totem, lotus, lotus, uh, the lowest part of the totem pole by being a warrior when he says, why would you do that? A, come out from among them and be separate. B, the battle's not yours, the battle's mine. C, get in heaven places where you belong. Get off the turf of the enemy. Because that's your lowest point. That's almost as equal to being the prodigal son, you know, um, in the pigsty. Because he's letting you know you don't have to do this. That's why the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but and, and, and this is cool, but against principalities and powers. And principalities comes from the word principles. The word principles in the original language is mindsets. It's principalities in the mind. And anything that exalts itself, another verse, anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, you cast it down. Notice we talk about the mind. Notice we talk about knowledge. Notice we're talking about principles, principalities. Right? Notice we talk about God being God saying the carnal mind is, is my enemy. Notice these things, folks. He is saying it, saying it as plain as he possibly can say to you. That this is your problem is how you think. Restructure your mind and your lifestyle will change. Change your thoughts, change your life. That's how the old saying goes, folks. So I wanted to bring this to you guys. I hope it blesses every one of you today. And as we close, let me just say this. I want to encourage every one of you, go to the website, identitynetwork.net. When you do, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look under my courses, and it's called School of Thought, Visualization, and Imagination. School of Thought, Visualization, and Imagination. It is extremely biblical course, but it will help teach you and show you even break break this thing even down further to where you understand your mind, you understand the kingdom of God, you understand your life, you understand God, you understand exactly how to start thinking, and I guarantee you your whole life your existence will change because your your sphere is waiting on you to influence it and how you influence it is by your thinking your theology or your bad theology whatever your belief system is you are entertaining your sphere with which means it's going to give you back the same dose of medication probably greater and stronger than what you gave it so restructure this so as we close today i'm going to say this to you if you don't like your day what do you do 
restructure your thinking, shift. The, the word says repentance, which is not a Christian word, actually. Repentance, what John the Baptist talks about, which means repent. doesn't mean get on your knees and ask God to forgive you of sin. We do that anyway, yes. But what it's saying is, I got something new to show you. Look the opposite direction. Here's a new thought. Here's a new thought. Here's the Son of God coming, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It means repent. Look from a different belief, a different angle of your beliefs, and you'll see the right way. You'll see the way God wants you to see it. So thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to this podcast. If you need any help or anything, contact my customer service. I have a great team that will be glad to help you along the path of your journey. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. This has been the Thoughts Become Things podcast with Jeremy Lopez, helping you reach your highest creative potential that God has for you. For more episodes, products, and information on Jeremy, visit www.identitynetwork.net.